what I remember about Carla was that I thought was interesting, and actually there were a lot of people doing something similar at, the, at that time. I, I can't say I'm not included, but you know there was a lot of um, riffing or satire on the kind of uh, situation going on in front of you. Only you guys had it down to you were doing songs that were literally almost a narration of the stupidity going on in front of you at. You had yes. a nightly gig at Checkpoint Charlie's. We or had a, we had a, every Monday we played, and I and I remember that this was incredible because it was like you were mocking people and directly, and they didn't know. Yeah, that's right. It was the opposite <laughs> of Dirty Mouth, which was the other thing I was involved in, which was that was a direct assault on people, and they knew we were getting on their case. Hot Crawl was very subtle, especially. We had a lot of he Benji had a lot of songs that had a lot of words. He was very into Dylan and things like that. And people just they talk yeah. while you sing your songs, and of course it drove him nuts. <laughs> so a lot of, in fact, we his, our last show was I played the role of him and I performed the songs, and he gave like a lecture, basically lecturing the people in the audience about that whole thing and again even that when you know and, and I, yeah I think that was his thing but I, I think deep down I think he was very frustrated by that you know whereas like I was much more of it it is what it is kind of thing like we had our we had our core group of fans some really good fans too you know I mean we got to open up for the iguanas at the house of blues I mean, Ed Volker used to come by he just thought we were nuts and I thought that was great because I'm pretty sure he is too. And uh, you know, I, I liked I liked those Monday night shows. You know, it's like holding court. You know, yeah. but a weird court it, it, it was, and I just it's very again it was very important creatively and uh, really it was uh, as a musician which is funny because it's, it's nothing I'd ever done that's quite like it musically but yet I think that the skill set that it ended up requiring really just made all gigs in general just less intimidating you know because it was I knew that I could I knew nobody's idea was too weird for me to to tackle yeah you know, which is fun. Although, you know what? One I wouldn't have even thought you ever had the reservation in your life. I'm surprised to hear this. But I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I was, <laughs> yes, but uh, you know, I, you know, but maybe I probably never had the reservation. But I mean, I felt like skill-wise, I, I just felt like I could internalize those ideas and get ex you know execute them. Uh -huh. You know, without 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 problems. What, what I would say, too, though, is that you always, as a musician, no matter what scene you're in, you're pigeon, you always are pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. And Hot Carl and During Mouth, both of those, there's a large contingent, and still to this day it exists a little bit, but especially back five, six years ago, is that I didn't take anything seriously. So I could, like, I got hired to, to play guitar on the Johnny Cash tribute. And I showed up, and there was a bunch of people there, and people said, Why are you here to me? And I just found it was 
that funny because I was like, I had played in cover bands and country. I played in all kinds of bands for for a long time, longer than the people that were telling me that were there, and. And then, you know, I played the show, just how you do as a sideman. Mm-hmm. You, you did what you were told to do at the rehearsal, you know. I, you know, I just did my thing. Yeah. And afterwards, people are like, man, you sounded good. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just like, and I didn't say it because it comes across as arrogant, but it's like, of course I sounded good. Wait, well, when was this? This was 2000, it's after Katrina. So and so what? Why 2007, and I just think that people thought that I don't take things seriously, and it's like obviously they never talked to me about music. And so that's great. So they they didn't think that you should be the Johnny Cash tribute because they were taking it seriously, or they thought that you weren't. They thought I was going to piss all over. I think. But I, but my knowledge of things is that you play everything well. It's just that if you open your mouth, you're much like Phil Degree, in as much as you know. You you know Phil plays every kind of jazz he touches like like as great as anybody and anybody you know, around exactly and, but except that if he, what he's talking about while that's going on is definitely some of the most deprecating hilarity you know satirical shit that there is also except that the two are are, are, are scarce related so it seems to me that they hired you to play guitar and not to open your mouth what's going to be the problem it's going to be fine right <laughs> that's what I thought but that's what I'm saying it's just I, I, like not necessarily the case with me I can start doing some satirical stuff on my instrument that would lead people to think I'm going to fuck it up you know screw you up but I never got that impression out of you yeah I again I just think it's funny you know it's like we all get Everybody wants to put everybody somewhere, and I think maybe it's because nobody's ever nobody's nobody gets famous for being versatile. Uh, right, you just work. You just work to be being versatile. Jeff Beck's Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck's not Jeff Beck because we. You know, he just, just actually. To be quite honest, now you do get famous for not having a personality. But classically speaking, in American music, you got it for being an individual that did one thing. And yeah, actually people really, really, really well. Yeah, it's very odd. We live in a lot of times again now. But but it is funny because yeah, the, 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 that's uh, that's not. Tell me about just really quick. I want to get because Dirty Mouth and it really, really might pass some people by here. Uh, Dirty Mouth showed up after Hot Carl. You say it's like no, that was Carl. concurrent. No, Dirty Mouth is different because Benji was not involved in Dirty Mouth. Um, Dirty Mouth was David really came out of Chameleon Theater, which oh. was like David Sobel and Dave Stover and Stover and uh, Dave James. They were all the Florida State guys. Okay? Right. You know, they all went to Florida State and they all were here. And so then for a while they had the Chameleon Theater big band, which they hired me for just to show up and just play over the top of everything. And we had great fun. We got really hammered at our gigs. Well, where was that playing? Where was the Chameleon Theater going on? That was that was the Checkpoint Charlie thing. They even had a gig briefly at Margaritaville, which I don't know how that happened. But you'd have to ask Dave James how that shit went down. But he so that thing was coming apart. There was going to be no Chameleon Theater, and so then Dave went on vacation. And I guess it just popped in his head that what if you had a band that instead of gathering fans and wanting people to like you, what if you just were just like, you know what? Everybody, fuck off. 
just everybody. Everybody. Okay. Uh, uh, each other, our families, the fans, the city. Nothing. Everything. 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 Everybody. <laughs> so it started because I lit the, that original band was. Uh, it was Dave James and Pete Bradish, you know, the foot. Uh, Josh, Karen, and uh, Pete Alba. That was going to be the band. They didn't have a singer. They were gonna, they already had a gig booked. And they were like, will you play with us? And I was like, sure. And then I picked up the guitar, and I, I just started playing a cliched rock song, which I really could write a hundred a day, you know, I just played enough of the style, and I just started singing, like, cliches, you know, like, hold the phone, I'm coming home, you know, yeah. just, like, all the dumb stuff that are in rock songs, and then they filled in all my cliches with the story about this guy they saw who was honking at the Harvey Canal Bridge, you know, for it to hurry up, <laughs> so we wrote the song, we wrote it, like, ten minutes, and then I said, all right, I'll come out and sing it. And so I came in and sat in on their gig, and I pulled out a notebook and sang that song. And I looked at them after the song, and I just said, I'll be the singer. And that was that. So at first, I didn't play any guitar in that band, and I sang. And I mean, that was that is easily the most fun. That's the most fun band I, I've ever played in, only because it's like all the angst that you absorb as a musician on all your gigs. That band, it was like, if you can just pen it all up, and then when you get out there, you just just let it all out. And it, and it's really funny. At each other, at the audience, uh -huh. you know, we've let famous people have it without knowing. You know, I don't know who people are, you know what I mean? And just everybody. Rob Wagner told me he was afraid to come to the show because he knew we were going to yell at him. Oh, really? Jesus. <laughs> Sensitive fellow. <laughs> we laugh about it a lot. I don't even know if he's serious. You know how he says it. Yeah, like, oh, man, I, didn't, I don't want to get yelled at. Man. <laughs> yeah, I used to love it. I'd come into your gig. I don't know what you guys let me have. I was probably like, too drunk to remember. I can't remember. I'm sure, I'm sure we know. might have said sign. We might have probably dealt with, just made fun of your last name, probably. Yeah, that's, 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 probably that's probably where it would have gone. Right? You, yeah. you, that's the thing. We, we wanted to go straight to sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't. The intellectual stuff was hidden. Uh -huh. You know, a lot of that was musical jokes. Uh -huh. We do a lot. We do, that band does a lot of musical joking uh -huh. that gets by. But anything that's being said is generally more. But that was correct. improvised musical joking. A lot of it is, yeah. And that's the other thing. We would play anything. Yeah. Like if somebody started something, we would just play it, no matter how. Yeah. Like we did. Thank you. By Led Zeppelin the other night. <laughs> But it was the, you're on. You're now at reunion level. We just. Well, we decided every show is going to be called the reunion. Yeah, show, nice. No matter what. Yeah, no matter what. They're it's all. The we're in. Almost everyone's always yeah. having a we reunion. We just keep coming back. We're just going to yeah. keep coming back. So you're just really keeping up with the times. Everyone is now having. A we're copying off Morning Forty. <laughs> yeah, those guys. That's really gone too far. Morning Fifty. Morning Fifty One. They, morning, start, they should start adding numbers. You hear that, guys? We got an idea for you. Morning Forty One. Morning Forty Two. Uh, so, um, okay, so this so like dirty mouth. Okay, and then when did you actually start with the Bourbon Street hard uh, line? Well, I I started out there in '96 or '97, and I lasted three weeks. 
because I was not ready for what that gig is. I thought I was too good for the gig. That's not what it's about at all. It's Burmistry is all in your head. You got to be able to deal with all the nonsense. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, so, it's not about playing. None of it's about playing. It's you have to obviously got to know the list. You got to play it the way people are accustomed to hearing it. But once you get that down, it's down. That's it, not about it at all. It's the I showed up to work and there was somebody else in my spot. I, I've been replaced. Okay. Yeah. No one bothered to call me or tell me. Right. You know, uh, or a, saw a manager coming downstairs because they're upset with a song call. Upset with a song call, and because uh, they're not doing the numbers they're looking for, and they might be younger than you and know they might know nothing about music, but they lay into you. You know, like they're laying into you like you're their 15 year old son you know what I'm saying and it's like if you can't take that I don't recommend the job because all you have to do is just be the closest one it's nothing to do with who's in charge just I happen to be close so that's who gets yelled at and all I've ever done when that's happened is I smile and nod like I, you're right like I'm a, I don't hear a word you're saying but I agree with everything uh huh but that's what I mean, like, I know a lot of musicians that that would be their last day. Yeah. As soon as it happened, and I don't blame them. Yeah. You know, I support people's right to, to march off when they've been disrespected like that. Yeah. But, I don't know, I guess I've been able to see the bigger picture. But at first I could not handle the, the, the criticism that seemed like it just came out of, there's no logic behind it. Right. Like, you gotta do this, this, and this, and you're like, why? Well, why is right? So, so I was gone for a while, and then I got back down there. I used to play the day shifts for a while, and then day shifts turned into the midday shifts, and then suddenly I started to work night times, and I worked weekends for a while out there. I couldn't handle that, and then um, I stumbled upon this the club I work at now, and I work Sunday through Wednesday. And I, I mean, that's just, I mean, what else am I going to do for, between Sunday and Wednesday? Yeah. Plus, they're the best nights to go out because people aren't out. Right. So I usually, I mean, Frenchman Street on a weekend is, it's awful. It's the worst, it's like the worst place in the world. The weekend, a festival, you know. It's, it's awful. It's awful. But Wednesday night, I love that place. It's funny because of the, 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 the distinction between the period in which you're talking about Hot Carl, what Frenchman Street was at, at the time. Oh my Hot God, Carl, yeah. <laughs> it's totally different. Now. You know, the last well, the five street, years, what it turned into is... It's going to pass me by. Yeah. I walk down there, people have no idea who I am. Not that I need yeah, to be known. Yeah, everyone everybody. But I'm saying, like, everyone did used to know everybody. We don't know each other. I think she dropped Lulu at my dad. And, you know, and... Oh, it totally flipped. Yeah, we made dirty mind. We made fun of it all night, all night the other night. That was that was the only thing I made fun of. It was really funny, actually. The number of people, you know, I, I, somebody, somebody the other day wanted to get like some fancy beer or something, and I was uptown, so we went to the Bulldog, and I thought it was really striking. I could tell a major shift in, 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 in socially because there were two guys at the bar, sort of really in those days on French Street looking guys who were like 
Well, we got to work out what we're going to do on Frenchman Street later. We're going to have to get our Frenchman Street thing together. You know, this is the kind of conversation I was thinking, wow, this is really... <laughs> you know, that's descriptive of <laughs> something. Yeah, it's really changed. <laughs> and St. Claude now is where the kids are. Yeah. So that's why I'm trying to play over there. Just... Let me talk to you about something. Because so, you started Bourbon Street back then, uh, in '97 or something. So, and and and, but since then, I mean, uh, let's see. You, you, you had the period studying with a composer again. Oh yeah, that was after the storm, or something. That was the storm. I, I, uh, what happened was I. It started happening actually when I was working a lot of Bourbon Street. I used to. I, it just. I mean, I guess it's. It's hard to somewhere in the early 2000s. I I had to listen to 12 tone music. I mean, it ha I mean, I mean, I had to. It's it's what I listened to to relax, and it, it completely took me over. Yeah, we share this particular thing. Uh, and, and so I would come off of work after playing those tunes all night long, every night, same songs. And I would sit in my front part of my house, and I would put on my my Boulez or my Dvayburn or Ives. I mean, I, I had the more Ligeti. I can never say his fucking name right, but Messiaen, all that stuff. I just <laughs> I put it on Elliot Carter, just and I would just relax. I eat my little snack. I just sit there. I mean, I would. I would get such joy out of that, and I mean it lasted for years. Yeah. So then I start to write again, like I start to write concert music again, and then uh, I, uh, I, sur I struggled with certain things, but it was just yes, trying to, and then I started to study it. I started to to go and you know, I went to a library book sale and I. Got a, I got a bunch of books that they were trying to get rid of that were to my liking on serialism and I have a book on Webern where it, it, it gets it, he only wrote 38 things you know so it starts to get into his process and you know a lot of it went over my head but it's just like anything else in life if you continue to revisit it well this is everything it, 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 it just starts to you start to see that just like anything else you, it's just a system it's just a form and you can diverge from it at any time you want because it's your song and so yes I tried to do some strict 12 tone music but also like I was never afraid to have those bubbles of like yeah in the midst of, it's true though in the midst of of all that and so when the Katrina happened uh I didn't feel like I should return right away because uh, my kid had tested high for lead when we first moved into town and we just figured the entire city would be rena being renovated. He was still little, he was only three, and so we stayed up in North Jersey for a while, almost a year. A lot of lead up there too. And so, yeah, and so uh, <laughs> I... Uh, 
I needed a purpose because I really was going nuts. Um, I had no job and I was not a popular person in either side of either family because I wasn't just going to go down to the corner and get a job at a burger joint. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Call it selfish, whatever you want. I didn't devote my life to something to suddenly just be like, oh, well, okay. Uh, I think I'll do this now. It's like, I I just, again, however that comes across, I'm just being as honest as I can. It's okay. There's plenty of diversity in the world. And so... Uh, I, I looked on the search engine of composers, uh-huh. and there was only one guy that had any credentials. This guy, Darren Hagen. So I was like, What kind of credentials do you mean? What you like, doing? his shit got played. Okay. You know what I mean? That's there were reviews. There were reviews. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't like, Well, this is where I graduated from. I'm a composition teacher. I was like, This is where I graduated from, and here's, and here's the eight operas that have been done all around the world, and you know, people uh-huh. say nice things about me. Okay, got it. So I email him. And he wasn't, I guess he had been asked to, t- to be taken off this search engine before. And he, uh, <laughs> I saved this email. He, tr- he definitely discouraged, tried to discourage me. But he answered my email because I said it was from New Orleans. And then I just wouldn't be swayed. And so he was like, you know what? He goes, I'll meet with you. And he goes, and even if I decide not to take you as a student, I will find you somebody. He's like, I will help you. And I was like, okay. So we met. And, you know, we hit it off. Like, he knew I wasn't a charlatan. He asked me to describe myself, and I guess once I described myself, and then he's like, do you have any of your music? And I played him some of the stuff I had, and he found me to be very honest about who I was. You know what I'm saying? Like, he said most people, when you ask them how they are, they always give you what they wish they were and uh, I gave him a pretty accurate like yeah. and he used to play in the pit in Broadway um, so I think we had a little bit of a we had done gigs before uh huh also he had friends at Columbia that always tried to play in blues bands and he thought that was ridiculous and he could tell that I did too you know we just had how old was he Columbia composer was he was no he wasn't a composer he means uh, when he back when he was in in school back when he was in New York in the eighties. No, a lot of his buddies were comp students at Columbia. Oh, yeah. He said they all, you know, and some of the faculty, the adjunct faculty, you know, they they have their blues bands or whatever. And he always thought that was funny. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't sound right. But like, like, like Jimbo, he really hated Jimbo. Yeah, but, yeah. but Jimbo can do it. Yeah, Jimbo can really do it. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's different. I, I think he means like guys it. like that that can't do it. do it. Yeah. <laughs> but so we really, we really hit it off, and uh, boy, he helped me a lot. Mostly with uh, he never once rewrote an idea. Uh, even when I wrote stuff that was unplayable, he allowed me to come to my own conclusions. He was not a lord and over you kind of guy. The only thing he was strict about was notation. That was it. And the only reason he was strict about notation is because he was a practical guy. He was like, he was like, since you're nobody, and he's like, I, he's like, you're not nobody to me, but you are nobody. And he said, since you're nobody, he goes. You can't, he goes, all all musicians are the same. They're just looking for a reason to bitch. And he said, if your notation is wrong, it gives them a reason to be like, you're not good. Like, since 
you didn't show me yeah, yeah. beat three in this bar of five four, then you're no good. Yeah, phrased very well by a French horn player the other day that I that I was talking to who said put it that you know new music is is, is all bad until proven otherwise. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, you know, right. it's working. It works against you. It does. Yeah, really, you're like that's the situation. You're you're guilty you're until you're guilty <laughs> until proven innocent. That's right. <laughs> and, and and that was his point. Was like notation is that first line of defense. It's like you, if it's notated right, then it's cool. Then then it, it, it there's more of a chance it'll be judged on its content. Also, playability then for the instruments and stuff like that. And you know, he, he helped me with a lot of the practical side of orchestra writing because he's like, look, he goes, small orchestras, they can't play high notes, you know, on horns, things like that. You know, and just like, you don't believe him, you put the high notes in, then you hear your music played back, and you're like, yeah, he was right about that. Yeah, he was right about that. All, all drummer players that can play high, they switch to jazz. That's right, yeah. Well, all the fun stuff on trumpet is, you know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of the fun well, stuff is, except for maybe Petruska, you know, I mean, there's a couple nice little yeah, although, Mahler I mean, 5, you know. Yeah, I mean, although, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's your class, yeah, but the three people doing solos parts, but I mean, trumpet writing classical music is... Football's it's a and fucking fan. stupid instrument, man. I mean, footballs and fanfare. It's, it's <laughs> trumpet. I mean, really, yeah, seriously, that's like uh, this is what we're discussing. It has a limit. It has a limited range, even when people are like experts. Even experts. <laughs> oh, and woe, woe to you if you give them too many notes above that staff, man. They're yeah, like, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. You know, it's your, unless you're Michael Ray, in which case you expect to see it. Right. Uh, you want it. And, uh... You are so right. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing to say about that. Too bad Darby's not sitting here. Uh, and out. Uh, hey, man. That's right. Hey, you want to get with a musician who looks like an electrician? Hey, <laughs> uh, what's that, motherfucker? So, but, uh, yeah, so he helped me with, uh... Practical. Uh, He's very. That was the only thing that he was very strict. He was only strict about practical things. Never about. Never like, oh, your idea is no good. Or uh, he would do things like, you know, you orchestrated it this way. Did you think about this? And did you think about this? And you know. And how did he characterize his own writing? He is a. Or how would he is a he is a tonal composer. He writes a lot of opera, so he really understands how to write for the human voice. Mm -hmm. He knows how to pick good stories. Very important. It really That's is. That's really the key. Um, he knows how to. I, I, he knows how to pitch an idea. Also, too. Um, but he he has the chops. Like he has the craft. He's done the legwork. He knows. You know, he's one of those guys where you can sit there and then he can turn around and. And pull the score out and be like, and be like, you see this? Like when he says something to you, he doesn't just say it to you. He says, blah, and then he'll pull it out. Like I wrote a really hard passage once, and then I wrote the same passage again and had different notes, but it was a gesture. Right. He said, look, can I show you something? And he pulls out a Ned Roar score. You know, and here's this long phrase, and it's pretty complicated. Then he goes through four pages later, and it's the exact same gesture. Again, he goes, he goes, 
if it's a gesture, he goes, you give him the same notes the second time. Because what you're saying to the player is, I thank you for taking 40 minutes out of your life to learn it the first time. So I'm not going to take an extra 40. Four pages later, I'm going to allow you to do the same thing. Because it's a gesture. Now, if there's a melodic reason, I think that's his point. It's going to be difficult. And it's going to be a variation. There, there really should be a variation, and it really should be important to, to what you're trying to say. Because if it's not, then it's best to just, it's a gesture, and it will accomplish what it's, most people's ears aren't going to be able to follow the information in the first place. You know, things like that. But he will give you a concrete, something for your eyes to see, which makes it a lot uh which makes it a lot better. I know. It makes it a lot better, you know, for their music. You know, in the long run. In the long run.